Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Um, real quick, uh, for our Patreon giveaway, this is the last week to sign up for the first quarter giveaway. Um, so if you get signed up before the first, um, you'll be in the running for that Tethered Phantom. So it's Phantom Starter Kit, uh, Lineman's Belt, and uh, Tree Tether, as well as the... Master Bow Hunting Course from Jason Samkowiak. It's a video only, uh, 18 plus hours of his content, um, not available anywhere on YouTube. So if you guys are following him on YouTube, listening to his podcast, you've heard all about it. Um, but it's some really great information, stuff he just doesn't put out there um, for everybody, kind of his secrets, tips, and tricks. So we're giving that away, um, as well as the base map one year um, nationwide subscription. I mean, all the base map, you know, when you sign up for their pro, it is nationwide. Uh, but they're going to throw in a swag pack, and uh, they got some pretty cool looking uh, logo gear and stuff like that, that they're going to add on there. And uh, if you want to check out base map, um, you get a 20% off code uh, from the website using the code lowercase chronicles um, and you can check out our podcast that we did in uh, end of february uh, for all the full details but you can port everything over from uh, you can port everything over from onyx and all your waypoints and everything will show up and it's a fraction of the price with uh, a bunch more features and like i said that goes over all that on the podcast but um you know with everything that's going on today in the world um, all that Patreon stuff. I mean, I, I completely understand if, if people are, you know, can't, can't swing it, can't do it. It's, it seems kind of trivial talking about it, everything that's going on right now. You know, I know lots of people are losing their jobs or getting laid off or, you know, being deemed non-essential. So, um, you know, I just want to let you know, we talked about this in our, our Patreon group on Facebook. Um, you know, I went live last night and, and just kind of went through and talked to everybody that was on um, about everything going on. And, and I just want you to say that, you know, I appreciate everybody listening and kind of uh, hopefully taking some time with these podcasts and YouTube and all that stuff and just kind of taking a little sanctuary from, from the world and, and and doing that. I don't think that there's any better time to be a, a hunter or a, an outdoors person, um, you know, to be able to get out and, um, you, you know, enjoy nature and kind of take your family, um, out and, you know, you're still able to go out for walks and to, to do, you know, fish and, um, go for hikes and things like that. So just take the time and, and, you know, use it wisely. Don't worry about the things that you can't control. There's so many things that are out of our control right now. And, uh, you know, it can be scary. Uh, so hopefully, like I say that you can, you can take some time and, and just kind of veg out and, and listen to us talk about, uh, some, some less important things. Um, and, and maybe this podcast will be good for you to, to, to help, uh, reconnect with your bow, um, and, uh, check out, um, you know, get reacquainted with your shot process and all that. This, this podcast, we're talking with Travis Johnson. Um, he's, uh, been a, a, a tournament archer and archery coach. Um, and we go through, 
um, you know, again, where to start with target archery, if that's what you're uh, considering, or what are the different types of target archery, um, getting back into that shot process and how to transfer that over to hunting from spots to hunting. Um, then we go through equipment. The question that gets asked most often to us, I feel like, is about stabilizers and how do you, you know, what are the weights and all of that. And we, we cover all of that. Um, and so I think you guys are really going to like this one. And like I said, it'll, it'll get you back with your bow kind of thinking about, about shooting, about the process and about, uh, kind of breaking it down, kind of slowing down that, that shot process for you a little bit. And, uh, you know, Travis is a, a great guy and we really appreciated talking to him. Um, and, and with that, you know, just, uh, you know, again, Make sure you're following us on, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, if you are one of the Patreons um, and and you're not in our our group on Facebook, the Bowhunter Chronicles uh, Opportunists, um, we go live in there periodically when we're just hanging out in the studio and things like that. And I, I try to go live every Monday um, and just uh, catch up with whoever's on and, and kind of see how things are going and. Um, you know, with, with this kind of lockdown, that's going to be maybe more important. We're going to try and do that a little bit more, um, just to try and connect with the, the listeners and the people that really are supporting us. And, and we can't thank you enough. And everybody that's listening, we can't thank you enough. And, you know, just, just kind of take this time, like I say, to, to reconnect with, with your families and, and, and appreciate the, the small things that, that really matter. And, and we appreciate you, um, you bringing us into that and kind of taking your time to listen to, to us talk and, and go on. And, um, you know, if you like what we're doing, you know, try to let somebody else know, tell somebody else about the podcast and, um, you know, hopefully we can get out there to, to reach more people, but you know, we, we appreciate every single one of you. Um, I know you're going to enjoy this podcast and, and, and thanks for listening. Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We are going to talk about something that is completely fucking foreign to me. It's absolutely not my forte. Tonight we're at our Bowman's Club. We just got done shooting our leagues. I shot the worst that I've ever shot in my entire life. And um, how fitting to talk about uh, target archery, spot shooting. Um, I, I think that's it's going to be a very interesting topic given the circumstances. So, Oh yeah. We're, we're sitting here with uh, Travis Johnson and uh, he's going to walk us through everything that I've done wrong and how he can help you become a better archer. Oh, I don't put that much pressure on me. I, mean, I, can, <laughs> I know a little bit, but well, not, not too much. The thing is, is that we are here like last weekend at the uh, last week at the Bowman's club. And, you know, there, one of somebody said, "Hey, that looks like that guy from YouTube. You know, the guy from Instagram, the guy that won the truck." And I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> Travis Johnson." And he just turns around and he's like, "Huh?" It's like, "Well, no shit." So, <laughs> just happened to be here last week, uh, giving some lessons to Caden. He is a local kid here in Muskegon, and he's doing quite well. And he's just trying to get it to that next level. And I was just trying to give him my input of uh, trying to get them a few more perfect shots out of them. And that's that's probably one of the toughest hurdles to do in that uh in target archery i mean going from what you're saying about you know having the worst round of your life and stuff like that i feel like that's different than um trying to squeeze that last little bit out of gaining those few extra points right because uh you got to get rid of the care factor when you're just trying to um 
just learn archery and just enjoy doing it instead of just trying to um, shoot perfect or shoot your best rounds on league nights or whatever. I mean, you just got to have fun with it for, for something like that, for sure. So let's take it back a little bit. So let's get a little bit of your background in target archery. And I mean, so I guess not to be you know, an asshole or whatever, but so what qualifies you to be here and coach and, and, and that sort of um, stuff? I mean, so what's your, what's your background in, in target archery? Because I didn't, I didn't grow up. I mean, our listeners all know I grew up with a pie plate and a hay bale and that was. Yeah. I mean, enough. basically that's, that's how I got started. So it was like 11 years old and just, um, mom took me to a local bow shop. Got, I don't even know what kind of, I mean, I know it was a Hoyt, but I don't know if it was like, you know, what maker model, but it was a little Hoyt with little wheels on it. And uh, started shooting that pie plate and uh, straw bale and, you know, just shot that for a little bit. And it was fun. And just, you know, and that was the start. I never really thought nothing about it. And uh, ended up moving from the house that we were at with that straw bale and stuff like that and the bow. And so um, I don't think the bow came with us, you know, just got lost in the, in the move or whatever. And I grew and stuff. So kind of got out of archery and not really thinking about a whole lot. Um, and then one day one of my friends at school was like, Hey dude, I got a bow. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, so we started shooting, started shooting more and stuff like that. And, um, then we started doing Joad, you know, so, so Joad is a junior Olympic archery development. So it's something that's nationwide. And, um, the, the coaches have to be certified and stuff like that to teach this to to kids or or adults i guess you could say um but more or less it's it was all kids in the class that i was in and so from there just started doing i think it was saturdays saturdays to come in and do joe ed you know it's kind of like here at the bowman club they do a saturday kids league and it's huge i want to say there's like 40 kids maybe that show up for this saturday's kids league which is insane yeah especially for this area yeah yeah which is really good though because right. there's definitely a need to uh to get kids into doing something other than just playing on their phones yeah <laughs> i mean i mean if you, we're all guilty of playing our phones but yeah the kids they don't need to be on it cause right i didn't grow up on one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then uh did that joe ad thing and um it just kind of snowball in there and just start shooting all the time like getting serious to where this dude and i we were just pushing each other pushing each other and he got really good like he just would whoop on me all the time and stuff so you know it was cool and you know so we're like 14 15 year old now you know starting to drive and stuff like that so get out of it just and just did like bow hunting you know just picked up a bow and shot it you know just like the standard bow hunter does you know you shoot a couple times before you go out and you know, not really driven in it, you know. And so I was big enough to buy an adult bow by then. So I bought an adult bow and, um, you know, had that bow for like 10 years. So that was Matthew's Z-Max, I believe it was. So that I still have my Matthew's Feather Max hanging dude, up. Dude, <laughs> like those four or three bows, whatever, just Feather, Z. Yep. Was it Hyper? 
Dude, I, I can't remember. I remember the Feather Max and the Z Max came out the same. You know, they come out, and I wanted the Z Max so bad because it had that little bit less braid height, right? right? And so it was a little bit faster. But and I remember going up to Jay's Sporting Goods, and I'm like, I want this bow, and it was too short. I draw back, yeah, because you're tall, and I'm like, and we did everything. We put it in the press, and we twisted up the cables. You know, there's not a whole lot to do. I mean, with a single cam like that, yeah. you can't get but too radical. Trying to gain that quarter inch, and he's like. I'm going to tell you right now. He's like, dude, try this Feather Max. He's like, it's the same limb, same cams. It's just the deflex riser instead of the reflex. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. I shot shot awesome. So I was like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> but with your draw length, you know, right, you're yeah. gaining all I think that, that one was more. I think that was a, I'm pretty sure it's a 32-inch draw, that, that Feather Max, okay. which is a tiny bow. But yeah. it's like, I looked up the cam number on it not too long ago, and I'm pretty sure it's a 32 that's crazy. So, That's so much draw. You're so tall. So my draw length is um twenty or twenty eight and a half. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And I spend that for a long time, I feel like. Like going back to where I stopped talking about the, the Z Max, you mm-hmm. know. Like I feel like that's when I I sat on that. So I, I, I had that bow for like ten years. So that puts me at like oh eight. I, I just one day just someone's like, Hey, there's league night at um some league night at uh this club right by me up in Oceana County and we go in there and I shoot and this one guy's like, Hey, you know, you wanna shoot? Um you wanna shoot a little bit more than just on league night? And I was like, Sure, yeah, you know. So he starts coaching me and working with me and stuff like that and that's when I got into serious into it, you know, back serious into it was oh eight. Um so from now to 08, you know, I've been serious for a while now. And yeah, that kind of puts me at where we can begin. That was my little bit of background. And so with that, so you, you started getting um, some archery coaching, it sounds like. And then, yeah. so when did you start like tournament shooting or how, where did that kind of fall in? And, and what, what are the different types of, tournament archery because there's five spot and 3d and there's all these acronyms you know we were talking oh, yeah. about it earlier so yeah like where i mean where did you fall into that and where are you at now do you still shoot competitively and yes yes that? yes so um the league night there at ocean archers was a five spot um so you could shoot five arrows into five different spots on the target or five arrows into one spot on the target and it was a 300 round um, 60x perfect score and so um starting out there you know i was just focusing on shooting paper you know with league night it was easy to adjust to that 3d i don't know i just never really got a thing for 3d 3d is the um foam targets and um set up multiple yardages and you shoot about 20 arrows for a round in 3d and just shooting that amount of arrows just didn't doesn't intrigue me a whole lot just wasn't enough action. Yeah, just, just, I mean, yeah, there's more action than spot archery because spot archery, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's so boring. You know, you just sit there and you shoot your arrows and you sit back down. Or So um, just shooting 20 arrows for a, a tournament just didn't didn't suit me or just didn't draw me in like um, shooting all these arrows, you know, the 60 arrows to trying to be perfect. So uh, just really started focusing in on uh, – trying to get that perfect aim and just mentally it's it's mostly mentally 
for sure. Archery is too, where it's like you're just battling yourself. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, you got to have fun with it. And my biggest problem is as soon as I start thinking too much and have a bad shot, I just dwell on it. And then it just, my round falls apart. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point to bring up. I mean, there's, um, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't take that arrow back. So it's like right. you just got to uh, uh, learn to let down. You, like, you, you know, you're at that full draw and, and you start aiming at it. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, a lot of a lot of coaches or, or people say, you know, it's like a red light. All of a sudden, like a red light comes on you, like a bad thought or, or just something kind of flashes. Or it's like you're like thinking about Joe. He's, he's back there talking about, you know, this buck he killed. And you're just like, oh, yeah. It's like, gosh, dude, I'm going to miss this. Or, you know, this don't, you know, and it's like, right, like that first instant second where I said the red light, if you get that, it's like, you just got to let down and just, and just, all right. Dude, if I would have shot that arrow, it could have been, you know, a miss, you know, it would have been a bad arrow. So how do you, um, I mean, because like tonight, like it was just awful. And I was like right back to where I was at a total archery challenge last year. And like, there, I mean, you're dealing with target panic, though. It's, I know. It's your release. I like, know. You need to just, it's an awesome release, well, but, but you need to like. Yeah, but so. <laughs> I went through all that two years I, ago. I know. But the, my thing is that I know, like, I understand the process. Like, yeah. And I know, like, I'll tell these guys, I'll shoot a four and it's like, you know, 15, 10, four, two, right? I'll shoot a four and it'll be a good shot. Like, I went through the process. And yeah. it was a good break, but the it, the bow, the it, pin wasn't on the target, right? And then there's other times where I'll shoot a 15, and it's like I was just like spraying and praying, and it, <laughs> it like and it and it's like they're like, oh, good shot. We'll just keep doing that, and it's like that's not correct, you know. And and like it's hard to just oh, go. Oh gosh, back see that? See, I don't know exactly what you're feeling, but there's this there's this feeling or confidence you get when you when you realize what a good shot really is because it's like you can like have in your mind what a good shot is but actually feel what that good mm-hmm. shot is is a total almost a totally different thing yeah oh it. yeah um and, and I, so i've started to feel like the like the last couple of weeks so this week we'll just i'm gonna put this right out there right now somebody stole my fucking bow and and he's sitting right there. Yeah. But like I was freaking out on Monday because I was gonna bring it over there. He's gonna put a new string on it, and mm-hmm. my bow is gone. I was like, "Well, that's Frank's fault." Because we were over, <laughs> we were getting ready to work on the studio at Frank's house, and we got done. And I I walk out. And I'm like, I just got done building the string, so I'm like, Frank, tell Adam I I'm grabbing his bow out of the back of his car. Yeah. So I grab his bow, and I get home, put the vice on that he had just picked up for me and I threw it in the matter of fact, your bow is in the picture that I posted. So, and I've tagged diamond. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So I'm like, you should have known. <laughs> so anyway, so anyways, so I've been getting here early and like, just trying to like, I'm like, I'm just basically blind bailing. Like I'm just yeah. basically just going through the process and making sure that I'm like feeling the, like I'm just letting the bow settle. I'm leaving it in one spot and then I'm making the bow go off and I don't care where the arrows go. You know, because we're just practicing and just just yeah. getting. But you, then you need to do that with the hinge or the back tension. Well, this is this is true, but the hinge scares me, and the back tension releases. Just I haven't purchased one yet, and it's just a matter of getting one or getting something uh, to be committed. See, to. I feel like that's all. That's just like a 
almost a touchy topic because it's like there's so many wrong ways and right ways that it's taught and it's like all snowballed together and oh, with the back tension you mean or just all? all all of those you know people say back tension people say hinge people say and to me it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of gray there too with all of that right because well, it's like like when i went through <laughs> i'll just like go through my little the, the problem i had two years ago i was all excited i got the end up getting a wise choice couldn't get a knock to it okay. so and i shot it awesome like the first what month or and so that, so that's a pressure at least am i correct no it's a thumb trigger thumb trigger so so you said what was it called the wise choice carter wise carter wise choice. choice okay yep and so and that one so you can punch that one you can just put your thumb on and pull the trigger yeah it's a trigger release and I shot it good, shot it good. Then all of a sudden, it was like I read all this shit about target panic, and I gave yeah. myself target panic. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's a good point right there because you don't hear people actually say that. So I think that's probably like the number one rule in target panic is you have to like say, I have target panic. Yeah. You have to tell yourself that. Yeah, it's like, and so I could not, I was doing, I, I launched it over the bale. I mean, I couldn't hit the duck at the 10-yard mark. Yeah. I mean, literally, I'd hold on it, and all of a sudden, it would just be like, below and i pull up and just punch the trigger and it was just oh, it was gnarly so then i bought the silverback which is a true back tension you set the poundage it breaks at a certain so you never know when it's going to go off so see the, and, and and see I, I can't say i can't let you say back tension it's a pressure release so it's the amount of pressure that you build and then it acu- um, right activates yeah yeah so it breaks at a certain pressure yep and so <clears throat> And that one was like I did the same thing. I actually shot through the metal no broadhead oh, sign man. one night in here. That was that was actually after that wasn't because of that. Re- it was because of I'd shot so much and I grabbed that one out. But anyway, he's doing the Tim Gillingham. He's got three different releases. Oh, he's yeah, just, just rolling through. Them. So what happened was the problem. <laughs> I would I was I could shoot the silverback okay. Yeah, but I was worried about my scores. So that's the, that was the wrong thing. So I'd get in, and I was more consistent. Like with my thumb release, I would like bullseye, 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 and then I'd shoot a four or a two, like just completely blow it. Yep. With the, my silverback, the pressure release, I would get, it would be like 15, 10, 15, 10, 15, 10, but no fours, no twos, no, you know, once. Yeah. And so I was just like, I committed to it. I'm like, I got to do this. And then it got to the point where last year I was, I ended up shooting like a 420 is the best for our round. I shot a couple 405s All right. and end up with the high score for the season. That's awesome. And yeah. so, and then like this year, so then I went to my back tension or my hinge release. Hinge release, yes. Hinge. And I did have one mishap with that back with my hunting bow. Like shortly Dude, after I got it, but that's, broke my nose off. That's all face. in the game. I mean, this, it, D loop could break, or you know, yeah. or just caliper releases. I've had them to where they just, you know, slip right through the D loop or whatever. So you know, everything's going to fail sooner or later. But the one thing I did do uh, with my, I still have my thumb release. The, yes, the wise choice, which is just like his knock to it. Okay, well, I ended up. Like I seen uh, Bomar, Josh Bomar, it's like turn any thumb re- thumb release into a hinge style, where you With take the, the button off, you take the button off, yeah, and then you just put your thumb on the actual frame and let the the trigger just kind of rest. So you can't can't really just 
push it. Just pound it, yeah. So you just rotate, and then it actuates when the, you know. Sooner or later, it's going to go off. Right. Yeah. So I told him, like, well, at least do that. That's what I tried tonight when I launched it into the block. Because <laughs> I, I rotated, but I rotated my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. did the big rotation, kind yeah. of a lean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so that's where he's that at. Was right my, that was my my like, practice. Yeah, and like it's it's crazy because I didn't have a release at ATA, so I was just using their caliper releases. Yep. And I felt like I was making a perfect shot, like every time. You know, there's those are bare bows. Grab my arrow. My there's quiver. no. Um, yeah, there's no peep. There's, there's no, no there's sight. No, no sight. So I was just, just getting it on there, biscuit, yeah. and I was had my finger on the trigger, and then I was just the pressure because I'm not. I wasn't using like back tension so much. Yep. Is I was trying to just push the riser through the spot. So I just focus on a spot and try to push the riser through, and It'd then it off. would just go off. And every time with the caliper release, it was going. And I mean, I was concentrating because I was just shooting the bows to feel how the bows felt. You know, oh, yeah, how they yeah. shot. Not I wasn't trying to shoot spots. I wasn't trying to shoot anything. I was just simply trying to make the bow go off. So I was trying to make a good shot on each one. And I was, my mechanics, I felt like were way better there. And like I said, I, I Dude, understand. That sounds the, really good compared to what you just were talking about. Well, but I, I, like I said, I like, I understand the process, but it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like once I get in my own head, it's like, okay, I, I sit there and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm on the target. I'm focusing. I'm not focusing on the pin. I'm letting the pin float and the pin's floating six inches, eight inches below the target, and mm-hmm. I can't get it to come up, and then I start to move it up, and then I'm like, oh, my God, there it is. Like, I can't, it's not going to stay there. It's not going to stay there so far. Yes. Then I drive by. And that, that is target panic for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing is the hanging low. So what uh, an easy way to kind of address that. How many weeks of league do you guys have left? Just a couple, I assume. Probably yeah, three. probably just a yeah. few. Yeah, so, I mean... It's kind of tough to do. It's easier to do with, um, like, the blue and white single spot target, uh, the NFA single spot target, or, like, the um, Vegas face, multicolored face single spot. You know, if, if there's a league like that, I would suggest taking your pin out and just using your housing as your sight to where you just find where that ring comes around and lands on that target, and you'd be looking at that whole outer ring of your of your scope on the target and that way you wouldn't be doing that whole pin thing to where it's like oh there she is <laughs> i'm so close oh i can't do it you know that's such a terrible thing to hear or to you know just to deal with because mm-hmm. you know, i feel like every archer's had a light form of target panic or a full-blown target panic you know there's so many stories of professional archers that had to work through it you know two years three years and, you know but they were attacked by the game, target panic, and now they're back at the top of their game. So, I mean, it's doable for you to work through it for sure. Yeah, like I say, it's, and it's weird because it. I, I feel like it only exists on Paper. targets, like on deer or whatever. I, I, you know, and my father-in-law, Turkeys. Frank. Well, turkeys is a, turkeys is a whole different game, dude. <laughs> just, you, you got you gotta just spray and pray with turkeys. <laughs> I gotta. Just, I always gotta bust, bust his balls. Bust I cannot wait for this year's turkey season. I hope he turkey misses season 50 with a bow is on a whole different level. Hey, I mean, I've I've already told the story. I missed. I was freaking Robin Hood, man. I was I've emptied my whole quiver at turkeys before. I've yep, shotgun of turkeys. I think is it's meant to be. That's that's why you see like hunt public. That's how they. Tackle turkeys. I, I've missed three, uh, two and a half on camera. I missed 
too on camera, like chip shot. Like, it's but one I missed, and the camera was on, but it was on a tree or mm-hmm. something. Ernie, um, yeah, he was he was being a biologist. <laughs> <laughs> but but I feel like I don't necessarily have that, and I think it's weird because of the whole adage of like aim small, miss small. And we can go into that with like target archery and kind of what you're doing, but you're aiming for like a spot. And I know like the more that I shoot and when I aim for a, a hole that's already in the target, it's a lot easier to, I mean, I I might miss by a half of an inch or something like that on a deer. I've never been able to do that, but I'm aiming for, I mean, I, it's, it goes back to probably the hay bale pie plate thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, if I put it behind the shoulder in this area, I guarantee it's going to go, you know, yeah. It, it doesn't matter if it's a fucking four or a ten at that point because of the the kills them. Yeah, the, the, dead. The, yeah, the lungs are bigger Dang. than you know. So yeah. I know where it needs to be to to do that. And or so you get neck. in. Well, that's I. Hey, I can't say that. I'm I shot a lot of deer in the neck. I love shooting them in the neck. <laughs> that's my shot. I shoot that's them right between shot. the shoulder blades. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thought he shot that big ten point in the face. Well, <laughs> but it was the neck shot though. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I got. That's a tough story. But yeah, as, as, as far as like the 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 target side of it, what do you see differently? Like from that aspect, like target versus hunting. You know, because we had some questions from the patrons, like about like okay, when you're in here until like now, uh, in a sense, like have yeah. I just fucked myself because it's like now I have target panic on a target. Am I, is this going to transfer over to hunting, or how do you how do you use the practice see, that, the same? That's yeah. It's, I feel like it's easy to use to practice the same, but you're talking like the target panic form of it to where I've seen it too many times. People come into league, you know, they're like, I'm coming in for more practice and to be a better archer and, um, you know, to, to where I harvest an animal easier, you know, for the animal will mm-hmm. suffer less because I'm going to be practicing season. You know, I'm going to know my equipment better and stuff like that. But it totally snowballs on them and they – basically ruin their bow because they're shooting it so much and the bow can't handle, you know, the, the equipment that they have, the rest, the rest breaks, the sight falls apart because it's all those shots every night or, you know, once a week. And, um, and then all of a sudden they develop target panic. I've seen it too many times and I've never have like personally have cured somebody with target panic. I feel like, <laughs> There's no hope. There's there's hope. <laughs> put, put, your, put, put, your, put your headset back on. There's hope. I'm just saying, personally, myself, I have never cured anybody. I, I've seen it happen at league at league nights. I've seen it happen to where they develop this, you know, and and I've been with that same person before and watched them shoot, you know, a doe at 30 yards that's on edge and doesn't range find it, and he just drew back. Put the put the pin on it where he thought was right because he didn't range find it, and the doe was at high alert and still just double on it. Doe ran thirty yards and fell over. I mean, it's like, gosh, it's unbelievable. I I, I don't think I could have done that to that doe. <laughs> Shooting a high alert doe is the hardest thing there is. Okay, so let's micromanage that then. Let's go like for the aim small, miss small, right? So let's talk about that. Maybe not target panic would being the like far right side of it but let's rein it back in and say how do you recover after you shoot like john's talking about 15 15 15 yeah. four yeah or you shoot x x x x 
out. You know, yep. how, what do you do now? You know, and I, we talked on a different podcast or I've talked with other people about, um, so the, the mental aspect and like what takes a baseball game so long, right? Is that these batters step out of the box, redo their gloves, mm-hmm. tie their shoes, that tap, team. Yeah. but they, that's what they're doing is they're, they're mentally saying, okay, this is how I reset. So, you know, is there a way to do that in archery? So with mine, my personal routine is basically just putting that, that new arrow on the knock, you know, so I, I shot, I shot that four and, uh, and now, um, I'll put my head down just for a minute, take a deep breath and, uh, knock that next arrow and just go back through my sequence. So, um, I went to clinics and stuff like that after, um, I started getting serious about, about shooting target archery and stuff like that, or just go on YouTube and you can find people talk about it. Um, you know, just that shot process, that really refined shot process to where it's like everything they do. And just like that batter standing outside the batter boxes, readjusting all this stuff and just getting that to where it's his routine or her routine to where it's so personalized and unique to put him back into that zone. So, um, some, so mine just comes back to knocking that arrow and then resetting myself, you know, right, right down. I started my feet and then just work my way up, you know, just my knees aren't locked and, uh, just, you know, just legs are relaxed and then just keep coming up. And, uh, that bow hand is on the bow and it's nice, relaxed. The release is hooked on. It's feeling good in my fingers. The tensions, I preset the tension a little bit to know everything's good. And then look at my target realize what target I'm on, you know, to make sure, cause that's something so easy for people to do, you know, they shoot the wrong target. It's probably been done here on this animal league night once or twice, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's easy to do. So that, that's like one of those things to where it's like, it's part of that process. So, um, I'll keep going through this process, but you can take this process right into the woods, you know, right, right into the field to where it's like, it, it won't take this long. You know, it's like picturing, you know, someone dunking a ball, you know, you watch, on basketball, on TV, someone's jumping up and they dunk a ball. You know, it's like, to them, it probably seems like it takes forever, you know, or it looks like it's forever, but really it's just quick. So going back to my shot routine, so I know what target I'm on. And then when I draw back, I I anchor it. And so I shoot a click in my, in my hinge release. So it clicks right when I hit my anchor. So then, boom, I'm on my target. And then all of a sudden the aim, the aim starts. So this is a big thing right now. And the internet world, social media world, people are talking about the, this process. You have to like tell yourself this process. And, uh, it's been around for a long time, you know, just talking yourself through the process, you know, them batter, all the batters do it. I'm sure all the pro bowlers do it. I'm not into bowling, but those guys, you know, that's on another level. You know, those guys are serious, you know, with, with any sport, with any, anything, you know, there's this process and you have to talk yourself through it, coach through it. Um, you see these guys that are racing cars, you know, they don't have, you know, the long tracks they don't have, they can't memorize the whole track. So they have a, someone sitting next to them telling them how to do it. So that's their thing, you know? So you have to tell yourself how to do this shot. So going back to my shot process. So I'm anchoring it and I'm aiming. So I'm telling myself, you know, aim, but I'm back here and I'm telling myself to pull, 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 
you know, but I'm still telling myself to aim. So this, this new thing that just all of a sudden just started happening for me, it seems like kind of the beginning of the year, but I probably always done it, but now I'm really just focused on, I'm telling myself to, um, visualize that arrow, just boom, bearing right into where, where my pins floating around. So I can picture that arrow going into that target as I'm pulling, 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 and I'm just thinking about that arrow just going right into that target, boom, and it just goes off. So that's that's my shot process right there. You know, it seemed like it took forever, right? I mean, that was way too long. <laughs> but if you can do that, when you're practicing every arrow, you practice it to where it's like your little shot routine. You know, some people have start with like, say, 20 of these things that they do. And they, they, I recommend to write them all down, you know, right down to like I talked about your feet, which target you're shooting at. So you have this huge list of all the stuff you do. And then all of a sudden, this list keeps getting smaller because you refine it to where you bundle stuff in. You know, feet turns into legs and legs turn into this. And then it's like all this comes together. So then you only have like three to five or something of things that you think of when you're shooting and you just refine it. I mean, some people might have it down to like one or two to where it's that easy. But to me, it's like, it's probably like at five to seven, somewhere in there. But I have these things. And that's what I do. That's what gets me through each shot. That's what, you know, that's how I reset. So that's my reset is the, the little clicks of. So when you get that red flag that you're oh, talking yes. about. So go back to now your, you're, now you're let down. <laughs> yep. And then just kind of go and, back. And I'll, I'll actually re-grab that knot. Boom. Start over right there. Boom. Oh, all right. So then, cause this, this happens sometimes. This probably happens to more people that are hunting than target shooting. That thing, that knock will come off. You know, you, you, you go to do this to go around the tree and you have a chance of bumping and you do this half clutch thing and you're coming back. That's like a thing, man. It's like you could have bumped that knock. It's happened to so many hunters I know of. So it's happened to me a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> you got to just quick let down, click that thing back on, hook your release back on and just reset yourself right through that whole process. I mean, it, it's, that makes sense. I mean, the process will eliminate so many errors. Practicing with a purpose, like these kids right here, like, you know, mm -hmm. they're chucking arrows. And I mentioned to them, you know, go hang a fresh target. Pra you know, practice with a purpose. You just can't just walk in the range, just chuck arrows, you know. And so, um, you know, you, you kind of touched on a little bit going into like the hunting type scenario, but like, I'll give you two examples of like things I've seen you do, like from videos on YouTube. So yeah. there was a, I don't know where you guys were at. Um, one of the total archery challenges out West. Yes. And like you were like sitting down or something and drew and then stood up and took a step and oh, then made the shot. And then it was like in wyoming like one of the last days or something and you guys put this big stock on this deer and you were below this ridge and drew and stepped up yes and then they they stood up and then you you shot them so in that sense and like so my one of my brother he asked the same he asked this question is like all right so going through that process and how does that transition over because my brother like put a 500 plus yard stock on a Booner whitetail got in inside of 20 yards. The deer stood up and he put it right through his antlers. Oh um, and so 
I must think, run in the family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guys. And I think, and I think that that's the basis of the question, right? Because, like, again, I, I'm I'm fairly certain that he knows the shot process. Yeah. So he understands like what to do, and in that case, you know, there's probably a lot of different things because it was so much time and adrenaline and everything. And then, like, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, but my dad has always told us, like, once you decide you're going to kill something, stop looking at its head. Yeah. Because that's where you're. It's huge. I mean, and one thing you said, like, through your process, and, and what happens to me is, like, one of the things that I try to do is focus on the spot that I'm going to shoot and just let the bow go off. And sometimes forgetting about the pin and the arrow will just go there and it just seems. So if you're if you're focused on something or you're looking there, the arrow's going to go there. But the 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 process though, making those transitions, like in your two scenarios, like I said, like you were like sitting down, stood up, walked over, took a shot, and then pinwheeled this target, and then the other one, like you ranged them, drew, stood up, took a step, and the deer stood up, and then you you shot him at like sixty yards or something like that. Yeah. So how do you transition that shot process and that that thought process into the hunting scenario where there's things are more dynamic. So, so when it comes down to the hunting uh, scenario is, is going right back to the practice and practicing with a purpose to where, um, every shot you take, you have to be conscious of that process that you built yourself and that you become accustomed to, to where every shot you take, you should, you should use those, those key points that you built your whole shot routine on, you know, that huge list that you started with that you just bundle it down to these few things to where every time you shoot your bow or your gun, because I feel like gun shooting or, or any kind of sport, you know, is just to have that process to where it's like you just can key in on it. You can grab it and use it under those high pressure scenarios. You know, we've all folded under pressure. It's easy to do, but, um, it's nice to have something to come back on and to ease you and settle you down. And that, that process really helps a lot tremendously. So like when you're shooting, you know, like you're saying practice with a purpose and then after so many reps, it almost becomes part of your, I mean, like your subconscious it's built in. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so you still have to go through everyone every time, not, right. not everyone every time, but to but, where you have it narrowed down to where you're still using those key points. Right. So like, like in that process, you stood up or whatever, but at that point, you know, yeah, your feet are, you know, Irrelevant. whatever, but you're still going to get your anchor point, center your peep, you know, go through that, you know, from, yes. from like that level up. Yes, for sure. And, uh, gosh, and, and sometimes like in those high pressure hunting scenarios, like you're talking about, you're coming from an awkward position going into your normal position but it's still so awkward because you're not using your feet you're missing your feet you're on your knees or whatever so it might take a little longer for that release to go off but you just have to trust it and you just have to keep on looking at your spot that you put on and then you just keep telling yourself to pull and and it's going to go off you just have to have confidence in a follow-through and are you hunting with the same release so um yes so what that's you see, you see it more now than, than I guess just because I'm on social media now and social media, you see everything cause everyone posts everything, but, um, more people are showing that they hunt with a hinge, um, back tension or, um, 
pressure releases, you know, because it's what you're used to, what you built that process with. Uh, it'd be so foreign. Well, I have tried it to, to grab a button for hunting because it's like, oh, I don't want that chance of it, you know, not working, you know, not, not being able to get it to go off or something like that. I want to have that to where I can grab it and, and put it in that spot. I've almost missed deer because I've tried to use a button and, and push on it thinking that deer's going to blow, that deer's going to run and just go ahead and grab that trigger and it goes off and, you know, maybe the deer moved quite a bit or, or that, but no, I, I punched it and I pushed it off that spot. So, um, it get, it, I'm to the point now to where I, I have to use a hinge because that's what I practice with. That's what I shoot with. That's, this was custom to me. That's what I built in my brain to, to, to work with me is, is a hinge. I can pick up different hinges and use it. You know, um, I feel like one that has a click is easier for me just because that's part of my process is having the click to where I can do the click. <laughs> and, and I feel like the click is one of those things to where, um, if you are learning it wrong, it's going to affect you. and It's going to give you panic. Um, you, you can't use the click. You can't aim. And then all of a sudden it clicks because I will shake myself off the target. If that thing clicks, if, <laughs> if I'm, if I have, if I anchor and all of a sudden there's the bullseye and it's like, my brain brain's already telling me to aim. Cause I'm looking at the bullseye. All of a sudden it clicks and I'm like, That's and, and I'll, I'll, I'll clutch it a little bit, <laughs> do that double clutch and be like, Oh, all right, click, and I'll have to let down. So that's where that's where I'm at. I'm, you know, when this one has a click, but I adjust it out. Yeah. And at first, like I was shooting with it, and it, it just took a a little bit to kind of get used to that click. But then I didn't like it, so I took it out. And then last week, actually, I dropped my release, and I picked it up. And the next shot, I was pulling through, and all of a sudden it clicked, and I did that. I was like, whoa, whoa. Damn it. So it was right in the middle of the round. So I couldn't re- adjust it. So I pull out my silver back and I, you know, take a few shots with that. And I can shoot them like both like yeah. equally well, but like they don't hit the same. Like the, the hinge breaks off one way, the, the pressure release yes. breaks the other way. So I don't know if it's in my head, but it feels like one hits a little left, one might hit a little right. It could. Yeah, for sure. So, so going back to that, the click on your too smooth. So with the click, um, like I was saying, like, I feel like I can almost pick up any release with a click and be able to shoot it halfway decent. Cause I'll bring it back. And before I start aiming, I'll just go ahead and soak that up with my back, with my fingers and just make it click, just boom, click. And it's like, all right, aim. It's going to go off. So you, you take that, you take that fear of, of it clicking mm-hmm. out of the equation. So it's just use the click as an anchor and it's like, all right, I'm just going to anchor and it's just going to click. Yeah. There it goes. Click. Open your eyes, start aiming. You know, that, that's one way to, mm-hmm. to start training yourself with that click, um, to get it to where you don't have that little bit of panic or that little bit of jump because it clicked in your, it catches yeah. you off guard or whatever. Definitely gets me a little jumpy. <laughs> yeah. Especially after not having it. You know, I'm so used to not clicking. And then after I dropped it. And, and, it, and, and it, it messed up a little bit. The, the yeah. What happened was this thing's got a ton of adjustment. And I think it was uh, operator error. <laughs> I, th- I don't think I tightened up the set screws enough. And I gotcha. So 
what happens is there's there's two real tiny set screws down inside there, and that's what adjusts the moons. I got you. And so those weren't tight enough, and I was shooting with my hunting bow with 80-pound limbs. Yeah. And it it rotated through and, Popped like, off. stripped those. Oh, man. The little set screws inside that's there. That's tough. So, so I need to call Carter, actually talk to him at ATA, but. The lady working the booth didn't really know what he was asking. Send it back. She she's not there to answer those questions at ATA no. though. I just asked her if she had any set screws, like any parts. She's like, Oh yeah. And she's like, Oh here. It was a the spring adjustment set for, oh, yeah. for, for one of these. Okay. <laughs> Which yeah. was all right, but <laughs> not what I was asking for. So uh, as far as like like I, I told Travis like when we started this thing, like he's like because we, we talked last week and then he talked to Frank for hours. I listened to Frank. I didn't talk to him. I was listening to Frank and watching him drink beer, and that was the most epic thing ever, for sure. Those so, stories are so amazing so that he tells. You'll definitely have to stop by at the Total Archery Challenge to our cookout. And, and listen to Frank. Yeah. Because yeah. I won't be doing any talking. Frank's going to be up on his, uh, on his pedestal. But I was telling him that John's like the gear guy, the bow guy. I think yes. I hope you're gleaning from the five sentences that he said the whole time. It's like He knows the shit about all of the the things so so let's talk about i don't know my shit i just well your stuff in particular yeah and that's really the 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 process it took you to get to where you're at my personal experience with you know i hunt with my thumb release only because we're self-filming yeah and i mean you obviously you guys film a lot Mm -hmm. but for self-filming it's so much easier for me to clip this on and, and then it's there. And then it's there. Instead of trying to run the camera and then try to get my hinge up and get on the hook and make sure it's right. Yeah, you run out of time fast. And yeah. And then if I have yeah. to adjust something, even though I still screwed it up this year. <laughs> hey, it <laughs> but, happens. It's easy to do. White, it's white tails, man. They're wily. But if we want to have like a discussion about gear and like setups and hunting setups yeah. and uh, target setups and like trying to do, like if you were to be able to say, Okay, this is where you should prioritize your your setup. If you had unlimited funds, unlimited everything, this is would be the way to go. But if you were just going to run one rig, your hunting setup, this is what I would do for target or for whatever. Because you see, like, so there's some guys that shoot that are new to our league this year. Um, that you were talking to earlier yes. that are running full target rigs on a hu- hunting setup, you know? And John's like, well, I could shoot my target bow too. And it would uh-huh. be easier. It, well, I don't know. Cause I don't know what, like these fucking long ass stabilizers <laughs> and stuff. Like I got enough problems just with the little shit that I've got <laughs> in my release and my head and all oh, those yeah, things. Like yeah. that would just be more variables in, in, in my mind. But so. Well, it, like my, just for me to explain I don't want to be, I mean, I could shoot my fat shafts, you know, because you're going to break a line, but this is a small game league and both guys are shooting their hunting rigs. And normally I shoot my hunting rig, but I got 80 pound limbs on it right now. And I was having, I started the season with it and I was having a shoulder issue. So I took my 3D bow, which it's a, I mean, my RX1 has the Hyper ZT cams Okay, and so, and I have a Pro Force, which has the same exact Hyper ZT cams, basically the same limbs, but they're 60 pound. So, gotcha. the, only, so the only thing different on it is a split target riser, mm-hmm. which really, I like my RX1 riser, the way it holds better, better. Better. So 
I took my long stabilizer, my back bar, I got rid of the fat shafts, and I just have a regular uh, pro-click, you know, hunting uh, rest on it. Gotcha. The SmackDown pro-click or whatever. Yeah. And I am shooting my single pin, uh, you know. Excel. Excel sight, but that's the yeah. sight that I had on my old hunting bow. Yeah, you know which I, mean? I totally recommend. I mean, that's a great sight for hunting. So, I mean, so I'm shooting, and I am and I went to just regular, my old hunting arrows, which are just Carbon Express, uh, the blue RZs or whatever. Gotcha. So, but that, so y- your bow is 60 pounds, but it's got set at whatever let off to give you the same holding weight. Yes, and so I got the 80% mods, or this, yeah, 80% mods, mm-hmm. I think they are. I got, there's... I have two sets of mods, but I got the lower percentage let off, so I have the same holding weight as my my hunting bow. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, I could use the fat shafts, and like tonight, there we shot against those guys, and they shot really well. But there were several several scoring situations where if they had been shooting like the regular arrows, they would have been out. Oh yeah. And so I mean, and there was a couple where I was kind of close, and you know. I ended up shooting. Four, ended, four I should, ended, up, ended up shooting a four hundred tonight. Okay. So, oh, everybody else shot a four hundred five. Yeah, I shot other, a two hundred five. So. The other guys shot. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I ended up man. missing four four of the fifteens. But yeah, I mean, which you know they look pretty small to me. Yeah, for, you know, thirty yards at. Yeah. Yeah, the damn bobcat. Catch you every time. Actually, the <clears throat> when you were talking about. Uh, like letting down i was talking to wyatt and he was shooting in the lane next to us he's the one that's like leading right now for the points shooting a hunting bow like shooting a, a straight up hunting bow with, with honey, mic with micro arrows. diameter arrows yep and I mean, uh uh caliper caliper release yeah anchors with his thumb right behind right Shoots on the just back like of campaigns. his neck yep. campaign style yeah yeah yep. and but the thing i'm like dude have you ever shot spots? He's like, no, I never done. I'm like, you need to, I'm like, cause he's like dead center. Every like, time. Every time. Just, poof, he just pounds the center. Even at the 30 yard mark. Like, That's so, awesome. But it's, it's, I like it cause he's the competition. Like he pushes you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with a hunting rig. That's like, I'm like, I brought my hunting bow again tonight just cause I want to shoot that. And I'm shooting my Eastern access arrows. Yep. But, I need to just rebuild it with the seventy pound limbs and. You know. Yeah, it's it's one thing um, to, to shoot your hunting bow, but I recommend definitely for league nights to shoot it at a comfortable draw weight that you can right. not blow your shoulder out because, dude, that's a serious deal. Right. It's ruining yourself. You know, like we were talking earlier about. You know, I've seen it towards, you know, either target panic or um, just ruining your equipment, but ruining yourself physically is uh is almost just as bad or worse yeah yeah but and you know and i you know adam hears me i you know i'm freaking running my mouth about the guys with the fat shafts like i told him tonight the one guy he had shot and basically missed the target he just cut the line on the back well and so he took a second shot and he was on the second shot, you get basically half the score. So, and he hit the 10 ring. So and he, that's what I see on there. You got 10 and 5. Yeah. So, that's your second shot. So, he would have had a 5, right? I'm like, yep. well, I'm like, we had to score. I'm like, your 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 fat shaft is touching the line. So, you, I'm like, if you would have been shooting one of these shafts, you would probably, you would have yeah. got a, ten, a yeah. 5. Oh, <laughs> you would have for yeah. sure missed it. But, 
I don't know, I give them shit, but those guys are also like tonight when we were talking, those guys are getting ready to go to nationals or to you know, NFA internationals. And yeah. so, so they're using the rigs that they're, you know, so they're just using that night yeah, as a, as stepping point basically. Yep. So yeah. I can't blame them for that, for not wanting to, you know, shoot a hunting rig, but. Maybe they could shoot on five spot night or something. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, practice what you're, I'm just, what I'm you're just going kidding. to play. But I yeah. like to bust the balls about it. Those guys do shoot a lot of 3D too. Like they'll, yeah. they'll travel around and shoot 3D, the indoor 3D stuff. So, yeah. Which that was the reason why I bought my the hyper. Yeah. Yeah. And but I just you no know, haven't had time to actually. It's a nice bow. So speaking of, of using the the one bow for dual purpose, so a couple of years ago I did it with um, the Hoyt Double XL. Um, I bought it for that reason to shoot it for target, um, indoor um, twenty yard target, and then use it as a hunting bow as well. So um, I set it up like I would my target rig, you know, with um, a blade, just a a target blade, so they call it like a lizard tongue to where it's stationary, doesn't drop or anything like that. It's just a stationary lizard tongue. Uh, put one of those on it and then just uh, adjustable sight, single pin, up pin. And uh, I like shooting bow hunter freestyle. That's the class that I like to shoot in because um, you get to see, you know, I don't know. It's just, I shot pro class. I shot pro class for like eight years. You know, it was fun and stuff like that. I enjoyed it. But to be pro, you, you have to commit almost like 95%. 100% would be the best. But if you want to do good in the pro class, you got to go almost all in mm-hmm. or all in would be better. But So I did that for a while. But So now I'm back to bow hunter freestyle or just bow hunter classes. That's where I like to, to shoot. So I tried this double XL and um, it worked well. And... I want to say maybe I did shoot a perfect score with it, but it wasn't consistent shooting perfect scores with this bow. Uh, I'm sure it could have been done, but just uh, just the forgiveness just wasn't quite there. I couldn't get it tweaked out. You, know, you just, must have had the 2018 model. Yeah, it was buckskin. Yeah, yeah, because, well, I have a, I still have my double XL. I think it's the 2017 model, but it only come with one one number cam, like the number three. And so it only went down to 31 inch draw. Mm. So yeah, I know next, what you're talking about. So I had the, the next year. Yeah, so the next year is when they come out with like the multiple cams. Yep, where they to, get to where you had the big cam, the three yeah. and the two, and I had the two. Yeah. Yeah. Because, matter of fact, I was going to, before I bought this FX. Hyper. Oh, the FX, yes. Or the Hype or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, Pro Force. That's what it is, Pro it's, Force. I don't have the FX. That's smaller. I knew that, but I wasn't going to correct these two. The Pro Force. There, yeah. So anyway, before <laughs> I bought the Pro Force, I was going to build a Frankenstein double XL. I think a couple of people did, though, that, though. Because I, I I love that bow. It's got an 8-inch brace height, so mm-hmm. it's you know should be super forgiving. But I like to shoot it at the 31-inch draw length. And now I'm at the very bottom of the cam cycle. Yeah. So I lost my valley. And so I, you know, it wants to jerk it on my hand. So I, I did fix it a little bit. I built some strings. That's one of the reasons why I got into build my own strings because I to could, get that feel that so you I could wanted. Play with it. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to do then was I actually went up and talked to Mitch, and I was going to get sixty pound limbs, and I was going to order. I think it's a number three cam. I was going to order the number two cam, so it's one size smaller. But then I would have to really build smash it. it. Yeah, I'd have to build a whole new set of 
cables and strings from scratch with my own, you know, like twist them up, measure it yeah. to, to get it perfect. It's like called short stringing, I believe. Yeah. So that's what I was gonna, originally going to do. And then, then this bow come up and I was like, ah. Going for it. Yeah. That's a good bow. So a perfect marketing opportunity if anybody wants to buy that double XL. Double XL and <laughs> I'm going to sell the Pro Force too. Yeah. I mean, that's the list price on that Pro Force is nineteen ninety nine. So I'm gonna, I'll get rid of it for twelve hundred bucks if anyone wants it. There you go, jump on that, guys. It's yeah. a good, good <laughs> the, buy right there. Double XL, double XL. Buy. I recommend double XL. It's a good bow. The double XL, I just that's got brand new strings and cables on it. Actually, it was sh- shooting really good. I should just shoot that here on league night, but yeah, but that's up for sale too. Someone throw an offer out there. So make a good deal. Back to that, like bow hunter freestyle class or whatever yes. so like if you're going to shoot your bow and i'm assuming that's what you're doing right so you have one bow that you're shooting for for, for, everything. for everything yes um is there where where do you prioritize and well i'll i'll let you go with that and then we'll give, so, give my thoughts on it. so you're saying prioritize as um as so so like let's say um either you're you, you want to be uh, new to target archery because you want to get more reps in and you want to get more focused and yes. you want to shoot and you want the camaraderie and all the fun stuff that goes along with it. Um, but you're shooting a fucking five inch brace height obsession. That's 9,000 feet per second. Yep. But it's with those skinny arrows. Yeah. Light it, skinny arrows. Yeah. And so maybe you're saying, okay, well maybe I know that this isn't the bow. I'm going to go for a whole new setup but I wanted to build one setup, kind of like what you're talking about. And John's got three bows and he can't oh, figure yeah. out which one is the one because hunting and this and that. And, you know, you you guys are talking about these bows being good. Um, so let's say you were going to start from scratch and you said, this is where I should prioritize. Should it be brace height? Should it be speed? Should it be, um, if you were going to build the perfect all around yeah. setup. So um, somewhere in between that, 32-inch axle-to-axle to 35-inch axle-to-axle is where I recommend to go for that all-around perfect bow to where you can transition easily from shooting spots to 3D. Uh, and why is that important? So you gain more forgiveness with um, that axle-to-axle, but as what you're seeing right now in the in the compound bows is the cams are getting so massive. Uh, so that takes... That adds in a lot of forgiveness as well. Okay. Uh, there, there's a few companies that are doing it really well with those monster cams on it. And to where those shorter bows that are below 33 inches, you know, they're going all the way down into the 20s. And they're still holding really well. And they're still really forgiving. But um, And the angle still. The string angle still halfway decent. So, yeah, that's another point to, to touch on with that. Uh, axle to axle, that 33 to 35. It's the string angles um, really good at that point to where it's, it's laying against um, your nose and, and your corner of your mouth really good. Um, like Josh Bomar, I, I feel like he explains it, it really well with the, the little nose button um, just as another anchoring point. Uh, and then right there at the corner of your mouth to where, you know, everything just comes together and it gives you that, that reassurance that it's good. You know, you're, you're going to have a good shot cause, cause you're making more points of contact than just, you know, just hooking your, hooking your thumb behind your neck, you know, and just calling that good. 
Because there's, there's a lot of variable there. But some guys can do it really well. Right. Because some guys can outshoot John like that. They, yeah, they, no, I talked about that. They practice it well. <laughs> he's like, well, when we were talking about the whole thing about him shooting spots, he's like, well, I don't. I don't shoot. I don't have the right, uh, you know, form. I'm like, mm. right form. You're you're shooting you're dead dying. center. I'm like, it don't matter. Some guys can do it. There's other guys that have to work at it, and then so they they're the ones that have to go and perfect their form. But your form's good enough for you right now, where you're you're punching the center out every time. Every time, like yeah. so, it's just a matter of getting out there and doing it. I mean, some guys just have that natural ability. And obviously, it sounds like he does. He he really should explore. A little yeah, bit more than, I than mean, just shooting league night. Like I said, two years ago, two years ago when I had, I think I still had my Bowtech, or three years ago. Yeah, when you had that Bowtech. I was still, with my Bowtech, I had the Bowtech Boss, which is a really good bow. It just, the draw cycle was terrible. Like you could not let it down without shooting your hand through the bow. Yeah, and you I know. feel like that's that's something that um, is going to be, less likely to happen in that 33 to 35 inch brace or um, axle axle bolt is it's going to be you know a little bit easier let down like the cam's probably not going to be as harsh yeah i can't say that for all the bows but yeah. the bows that i've shot you know that you, was the, you get into a little bit easier cam. that boss was actually a, is a big one it's 30 i think it was 34 inches axle axle but it was just just, just a real aggressive, aggressive cam. cam and it was kind of before Botech went to that comfort setting well, it had oh, a, yeah. it had the three settings, but even in the comfort setting, it was just a, you know, they were going for speed. So, it, yeah, it, it just like I said, it, it had a lot of let off. So just yeah. the way the power stroke was, it just dumped it at the end, you know. So it built up dump, and then it's all right there. Yeah, and when you'd go to let down, it would be like there's nothing there. You go to let down, let down, nothing, nothing. Like you're holding them. And also, yeah. yeah, and and so that that brings up a good point. So so going to that target hunting feel, you know, to where you're bringing the best of both worlds together, to where you, you build that one bow for both of them. So with the uh, the double XL, I was able to adjust my draw length, you know, just without the press, just moving the the, the mod where I needed to move it into my proper draw length, and then I'd, you'd move the the cable stop into the proper setting. So what I would do with my with that double XL and with this new Hoyt that I was shooting last year is just advance the, um, the draw stop to the shorter stop. So let's say I'm in C that's my draw link is supposed to be set in C. And so I'd go to, instead of going to C with my draw stop, I'd advance it to B to the next shorter one. That way I am holding more weight. It shortens it up just a little bit. It takes that Valley away and then with the cable stops, you're you have that ability, or at least most it feels like you do anyways, is you're able to squish into it a little bit, mm-hmm. so you can have that draw length that 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 you need. You just have to squish into it, so you're holding more. So what do I get to with that? Is to let down. It's easier to let down because you are that much closer to that that hard spot in the cam. Then that let down comes a lot easier. And that's like going back to you're at full draw on one side of the tree. You got to go up and over and get to the other side of the tree. And that's where that comes in nice to where you just can let it down, go over to the other side, draw right back, and go through your shot process and pinwheel that deer. Or 
going back to the point you said, on your knees or in a sitting position, rolling up to your knees, drawing back and getting into that position. It just, you know, little things like that will help help an archer um, become a better hunter, better target archer. Okay, sure. so, we're, so we're looking at axle to axle. We're looking at cam cycle. What are we looking at for, you know, for a long time we've we've decided you know guys were talking about speed for a long time and then now they're talking about comfort they're talking about you know a bunch of different different things now these big cams and that was one of the things with the matthews vxr is like those cams are giant it might be a 28 axle to axle bow but it's 36 inches when you measure the cams yeah yeah that's what's nice that's where that string angle comes in but when you draw that bow back like and John explains it to me. He says, "Oh well, that's the way that it is." But I mean, I'm pulling like sixty, seventy pounds the entire time. And he's yep. like, "Well, that's that smooth draw cycle." Well, yeah, but I feel like okay. Well, uh, on that bow, I would almost go down a weight because at seventeen degrees or negative six when I was in Missouri, yeah, that's going to be a motherfucker to like <laughs> to crank that back. You know, yeah, the whole time. And now being smooth like that, you don't. It doesn't pop over, um, right? It's a real it's not, smooth. It's not violent. I I thought it was a smooth draw cycle. I, mean, it, I, I know that there's a couple other guys that I talked to, and they're like, "No, I think it was terrible draw cycle." I'm like, well, that's the whole. That's what's so nice about all the different bows in the market. Don't worry about the freaking name unless you're getting sponsored by them. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. but you know, go out and shoot one and. Find the one that fits you the best. You yeah, know, everyone's fall in different. Love with that one. Yeah, so we're we're talking about you know draw cycle and axle to axle. So we kind of got that, and so holding weight, that's holding that, weight, that's speed, what we on that. and the uh, brace heights. Yeah, like all like of you those get one of those speed that? bows. It's you know five inch brace height. And what does that mean? Because I mean, so that's like the, I said, we're, I'm I'm coming from the the world of the Walmart archer. You know, you bought this bow because. It went from Travis Johnson said it was the greatest thing ever <laughs> on YouTube. He he shoots his butt, buddy's bow at 111 yards, wins a truck, and uh, so I'm like, I gotta get that bow. I get that bow. It doesn't fit me. All this stuff, and then it's a 70 pound bow. So I go to Walmart. I get 70 pound arrows, mm-hmm. and then the biggest mechanical broadhead that I can find, flapper. But I don't know what brace height is or any of that sort of stuff. So when okay, you're talking so about brace, brace height, or, is the distance between the back of your grip to your string. And so it happened like a five inch brace height. Now the arrow is on the string longer. So it's going to be a faster bow. That's how they get a fast bow. Problem with that is when you, now the arrow is, you know, obviously the arrow is on the string longer. Now it has, it's more susceptible to getting torqued because it's got, it's on it longer. The other thing too is with a shorter brace height in a hunting bow, now it's closer to your wrist. So it's less room. So you have, you're, you can get your clothing in the way and get, you know, or hit your wrist. The The longer it is, like a seventh, seven inch brace, like six and a half, that would be, you know, like I said, my, my double XL is an eight inch brace. Like, yeah. So it's super forgiving. I think my RX1 is like a six and six, an eight. Yeah. And then that Pro Force is a seven. Yeah. So like, that Pro Force, if it didn't have the split riser, would be like a perfect hunting bow. There's a lot of people that have hunted with that bow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's good. I, I plan on, if I still have it, when turkey season comes up, I told them, like, I'm going to shoot a turkey with it because I need 60 pounds to, sh- to build my uh, 
Magnus, you know, arrows for the bullhead. Your decapper mm-hmm. arrow setup, okay. Yeah, because yeah. I tried them with my double XL and I turned it down even a little bit, but it's still two shots and broke the blades off. And yeah, it's just too much. Um, too much too, force. Too much force with those cams. Yeah. But yeah, so the sixty pound. So yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, it's purple looking. They call it the slate, but I, I think it looks purple. But hey, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen many many animals be harvested with target bows. It's doable. But, yeah. Yeah. So as we're looking at that, what are we? What are we looking at? Okay, so we got axle to axle. We got draw cycle. Yes. And now, where are you prioritizing it in your list of things? So, so if you're um, if you're gonna sixty to seventy pounds is the ideal to transfer from target to hunting. Um, it's just what you can handle. So like for indoor archery. Um, so I also like Field and Hunter as well. That shot in the summer there, right here at Muskegon Bowman, there's a Field and Hunter course out here. They just redid it with all new bales. It was a few years ago now. So that that's one of my favorite rounds, really. So Field and Hunter consists of um, 112 arrows. Yeah, 112 arrows. And you shoot four arrows per target and 28 targets for a game. I believe all my numbers are right there. 28 times 4? 112, yeah. 112. So, yeah, I'm good. There yes. we go. That's, that's the pharmacist in me. Pharmacist that's four times spana. a day times four <laughs> weeks. At yep. Seven days a week. Okay. So, that's a field of 100 rounds. So, that's quite a few arrows, you know. So, you got to have a poundage that uh, you feel comfortable with. So, that's why I like choosing 60 pounds for my hunting or my target setup. So, indoor target archery, outdoor target archery, I'm right at that 60 pound mark. Um, with that, that tweener bow, you know, it's not the extreme target bow that's longer, uh, axle axle or the short hunting bow. You know, I like that 33 to 35 inch axle axle bow. So for target, I'll set it 60 and, um, shoot the arrow that I needed to. So for like indoor, I like shooting, um, a 2512 aluminum arrow, you know, and I weigh it down with a 180 grain tip. And so you got to have that bigger shaft like we were talking about earlier. No, but for animal round, I feel like there's multiple arrows going into that target and you just be trashing arrows left yeah. and right. He's shooting a big arrow like that. But for shooting target archery indoor at 20 yards, um, you shoot a three spot. So each arrow lands in its own target or a five spot. Each arrow lands in its own target and your arrows are safe. You're good. So that's my indoor setup. And then um, outdoor field archery setup would be um, a small um, carbon arrow so small diameter lighter tips you know 120 in the front 100 in the front you know cut cut shorter um, so indoor you like leaving just your arrows a little bit longer so you can flip them with your finger if they do fall off the rest or whatever in outdoor just cut them shorter and um, yeah you want a little bit more speed a little bit faster arrow so uh, that's my outdoor setup is a smaller arrow so let's go into that just real quick because we talked about like and you'd mentioned like the different five spot three spot. Mm-hmm. What is field archery? So it's not three D. It's not so it's foam targets. Yep, right? paper archery. Um, and like distances, distances. Like so that. it goes from twenty feet all the way out to eighty yards. But they're fixing to change that because they feel like eighty yards is too far or something like that to draw. 
to draw everyone into shooting it. So um, that's kind of in the works. I think it passed, but I'm not 100% sure if it passed or not. So uh, right as of right now that I can, last year, field archery was from 20 feet all the way out to 80 yards, and arrows were shot at each distance. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like, like I say, it was just curious to me because I know that setup is out there and we've shot it multiple we've, times. Yeah, we've shot it, but we've never like went and done a whole round. We just like pick the pick the ones we wanted to go. Yep. Oh, so you're supposed to shoot at each of those distances? That, yes. That's so, so when you walk up to the, uh, a target, there'll be a sign just like you're playing golf. You're at hole number one and it says, you know, par three. You know, it shows a little picture of how it plays, you know, and um, you choose your clubs wisely. Or in archery, you set your pin, so a par three would be a shorter target. So you're looking at, say, like a 20-yarder, and um, you look down, and it says, or, or sorry, you look at the at the marker on the, on the bale that you're on, and it says, you know, 20 yards. Um, so you look down, and you find the block that you're supposed to shoot from or the pin and 20 yards and you shoot all four arrows from that 20 yards. So you go to the next target and, uh, say it's the 80 yarder. So at the 80 yarder, it will say on the sign 80, 70, 60, and 50. So you shoot one arrow at each, each of those marks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so. <laughs> we just played it like golf. Cause we were like, fuck it. We we're shooting from the black tees. Mm-hmm. Like we shot the yep, long the one tips, everyone. all yeah. the way bombing them. Yeah. No, but I mean, you guys got a taste of it and really, I feel like that's gosh, field archery has helped me in hunting so much because it's, uh, so here at Mesquite Bowman, they, they do have the Flint round, which is basically like field archery indoors. And that's that five spot target with a um, huge face in the middle and the smaller ones around it. And that shot at, I believe 10 yards out to 35 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just field archery brought inside and, um, which is an awesome round. And that's kind of like well. what we do with our small game round. We, you know, we have the, we have seven, 10, 15, 20, 25 and 30. And so we shoot one arrow at each line, you know, so we, and then we have, the seventh line is the benches, and whoever is host that night gets to set the benches. Like tonight, they set them at like nine yards, eight yards. Oh, okay. No, they set them at th- five yards. Okay. Well, they were because okay. that was the seven-yard mark, and they had it inside it. So, like, and then that really screws with a lot of people's head. Like, oh yeah. Like they don't realize you got to have your pin. Like I was shooting them at thirty-eight yards. Yeah, yeah. Because your your arrow hasn't had enough time to get into its arc. Yeah, that makes it bring us a good point. I mean, it's it's good to practice those short distances, and that's what's nice about field or this animal round. It gets them people right out of that normal shooting twenty yards. You know, you have to think about it a little bit. You move closer and shoot. Yeah, yeah the one night those guys put us at three yards, like barely. The arrow was barely yep. out of the well, bow. Well, the dudes with the long stabilizers were like real close to yeah. the, <laughs> pop that thing off. And, and shoot I was it. shooting sixty-five on my. I had to have my pin set at 65. To where you could pinwheel that little that yeah. little target. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's that's good practice. That's great practice right there for sure. But, but yeah, so we shot the field, but, you know, it was, but it, what's nice here at the Bowman's Club, it's, you know, angle, you're shooting across the ditch, you know. Yeah. And depending on the, like, the time of year, there's vegetation in the way and, you right. know, like mm-hmm. 
the wind's blowing and there's it gives you a good hunting scenario. Are your ass up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a nice ditch running through there with all kinds of skaters. But, yeah. And so uh, with, uh, okay, so we've kind of established like the bow. I want to talk about. We've had a million questions, and I mean, it's kind of hard unless we want to have like a company on to talk about their product or this or that or or whatever. Um, but stabilizers, back bars, front bars, oh, yeah. offset, fucking ninety yard uh, stabilizers, the real that long are, ones, you three know, footers, yeah, yeah, and then you know weights and how much weight and what do you do and so you just give us like stabilizer one hundred and one and what should we be shooting why how whatever so, so when it comes down for me for setting my personal bow so i get a new new bow and it's in the box um get the peep on there get get the rest on there you know just get all the, the little basic things you know the, the main parts of the bow set on there your sight and stuff and uh get it tuned and i will not throw stabilizers on it yet i need to shoot that bow and see how it feels see how it reacts and then um the feedback from what it does in my hands is what will determine or what I'm going to put on it. You know, um, I have the front bar, I have the back bar and I have accessory weights. So, um, I'll start off, shoot it a few times, get the feel for it, see how it reacts, see what it does. And then, um, you know, if everything's feeling good, I'll just go ahead and just throw a front bar on there. You know, so I run a 12 inch bar with like three or four ounces on it. Um, Sometimes two, you know, but never more, really more than four. So that, that's my front bar setup. Throw that on there. See what the bow does. See how it reacts. See if it still likes to just jump and just kind of stay where it's at or if it jumps and falls forward. Um, but that's my, that's my next step after I shoot a bare bow. So if it's still feeling good there, you know, it's um, not, not doing too much, you know, it. I might leave it right there at that because you know, that's where I want it. But you want to try it and see what it does. So my next thing is I'll just throw some mass weight on it and put um, mass weight below my hand. There's usually a spot somewhere where I can get some weight on it. So that's like five to eight ounces I'll throw on there just to see what the bow does, see how it reacts with that. And if it reacts, you know, like it doesn't feel good or whatever, you know, I'll pull it off. But so if that works out and it feels good, I'll leave that. Then I'll throw a back bar on it and see how that feels. And you know, th and that's my that's my process. You know, I just start with nothing and just work my way up. And sometimes bows will take it all. Sometimes bows won't take any of it. But it seems like ninety percent of the time, the bows I shoot like a bar. I like running that bar out front, just that twelve inch bar. But sometimes it takes more. And so why are these guys using three foot bars out front and then twenty four inch uh, bars on the back? I mean John was running a twenty four inch his back bar on the front of his That's only a fifteen inch. <laughs> it looks twenty four though, right? Uh, he's a guy. He does you know. See it's I, I feel like it's they couldn't see someone else doing it or it's right. It's uh You see the guys like uh, Mike Slosher or whatever, he's shooting a 30-inch bar, pounds. and he's got, like, eight pounds of weight. It's like yeah. most guys would pick that bow up. They wouldn't even – they might be able to get one shot out of it, and then their arm's going to fall off. You know, you're not – Oh, yeah. And, like, this kid shoots probably a 1,000 arrows a week. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he's his body's used to it. 
and I think we've talked about this before, but it's you got to kind of build up to it, like what you're saying. Yeah. You can't just go and like, oh, this guy's shooting, you know, 18 ounces up front and two pounds on the back, and I got to have that. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to be sadly mistaken when you spend all that money and then put all that shit on your bow and you can't hold the damn thing up. Yeah. It, it's going to screw your form up for one. You're going to end up hitching and leaning back just to be able to hold all that weight. That is true, yeah. But, you know, like with the Hoyts, you're used to shoot Hoyts. Yep. And, like, some of those have an offset stabilizer. So, you know, so your main stabilizer coming out the front was offset a little bit. So that kind of helped offset, you know, like, I don't even shoot a side bar. I have a side bar for my RX-1. Got it. But I don't put it on there because it's offset enough where it kind of, deletes the sight and your quiver you know it yep. helps helps it's that balance nice that they did that to where you're saying it offset the the accessories for right. the bow for sure but there's just little tweaks like that i mean yeah to help like once you get into your your draw cycle you want that bow to just naturally come into level for you you know Yo, that brings up a great point too is, is, is setting up that uh second and first second and third access as well yeah um you, know, you guys were talking about shooting the hills and stuff like that out back here um, and that's where it comes into where you have a pro shop or if you know how to do it yourself, set up that first, second, and third access. If your site has it, um, if people don't know what we're talking about, um, go on YouTube or, yeah. uh, you just can search it and all that stuff will come up because that's a whole nother topic. And right. But on that, like, you know, we can make videos or whatever about that. And I'm, like, I could just throw up a video and people would just be like, well, he's got a podcast. He knows what the fuck he's talking yeah. about. All right. <laughs> Brings up a good point. So you have to weed, th- you have to weed through that stuff and to, and to um, like with anything, say you're learning how to drywall. You can't just, you know, go by the first dude that says, yeah, I'm a drywaller and this is how you do it. You know, you watch like three or four of those videos. You're like, all right, all these guys kind of did the same thing. Right. You know, this one thing the same. So. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to do it this way. So you got to you got to feed through all that information and um, and get a feel for it. So going back to that point of uh, you're saying with the stabilizer to make sure that level or that bubble on your site, and some people aren't shooting a bubble, right? But I recommend for shooting any type of archery is to shoot a bubble. It might not be relevant in every form because you're shooting on flat surface here. And if it's off, it's off. It's not going to adjust it. You know, you're not going to see it that much. But it's one of those things like going way back to the shot process we were talking about earlier in my shot process. So that's part of it. You know, it's like that bubble needs to be level. You know, I, I look at that. That's part of my process as yeah. well. And the stabilizing of your bow will help that to where he was talking about the offset of the stabilizer mount offsets the accessories to where it makes it that much easier when you come into full draw. To where that pin comes down, it settles, and that bubble is level. Funny story about that, and knowing your equipment, and it's like we came in here to shoot the first week for trials for, or to set our average for handicap. Yeah, I have that handicap. I I draw back. I'm going through my shot process. I'm going to level my bubble. That bubble's gone. <laughs> I lost it this year, honey. Somewhere it's gone. Somewhere it's so, gone. So I was like. Hmm. I was like, this had a bubble, right, John? Like, this this bubble yeah. had a bubble at some point. But that's like when we're at the Total Archery <laughs> Challenge. I'm like, I first shot, and you're on the, you know, like a steep side hill. Yep. And you're leaning into it, 
And if you're not looking at that bubble, it, I mean, you're going to blow the shot. I mean, especially on those longer shots, that's where you really see it. And I told the guys, I'm like, dude, check your bubble because you're going to feel like you're level and you're going to look and you're like, holy crap, yeah. it's not even close. And that's what's really cool about this total archery challenge and, you know, what they're doing and the people that they're bringing to it is that people are actually seeing like, holy cow, my setup really sucks. <laughs> right. I need to start learning, you know, learning some more stuff about bows and bow mechanics or at least have some do this stuff to where my equipment is better and ready for that woods right. um especially it, for the guys going out west you yeah know. or or going midwest i mean you, right, you guys are talking about wisconsin hills i mean just think say you all of a sudden you're in this scenario to where you are on a hill shooting at a buck um and you know you you don't you don't bubble you know you don't level you know you don't bring that into your shot routine so that that is definitely one of those things that i miss in the shot routine is to where that bubble plays a huge factor in target and hunting and going to the field archery which is a lot like total archery challenges to where it makes you think about that or you have to think about that every time you shoot you have to look at that bubble because if you want to hit that perfect kill shot for that perfect target is that bubble is going to play in huge. Yeah. I think, I mean, I always, you know, our listeners know that I'm a huge Dudley fan. Yeah. Dudley's great teacher. Yeah. I feel like he has, he has such a good following. Right. And like all of his videos, he definitely has videos on leveling or, you know, setting your axis on your sights and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But he was big in the field archery and the, like his shot process and everything, like how to like hinge at the hips, like draw back, get set, then hinge over. Well, that all ties right back into your tree stand hunting too. Very you know, much so. so. Like if you're sitting in a tree stand, now we're saddle hunters. I mean, it's a little different. A little different. Yeah, but, but once you get your, you know, you have a deer coming in, especially if it's coming in close, you can't just draw back, you know, and you're not going to have a right anchor well, it's point. it's a string angle and where it yeah, lines it's up like, your face. <laughs> and that's, so, that's where the nose button comes right. in or, or a kisser button to where right. you have that, that extra point of reference to to bring you in and put you on that spot. So i got a few more questions here for you before we, we close this thing out. I've but like, kind of freaking taken over tonight. Well, so no, I, I, good, I mean, like I said, uh, going into this, I was like, John's the guy. Like, I'm just like the coordinator of this thing. I'm yeah. just the referee. Like, you go. You go. Like, five. Like, <laughs> ten count over here. Hold on. He's got something to say. But, like, realistically, what I was going to say, like, before we got into, like, the bow thing, is like, you know, everybody knows. And John just, you know, put it out there saying, like, how he feels about Dudley and, like, you know, I mean, I think that that's why John's got into so much stuff uh, for building strings, and it's it's taken him like down this path to, yeah, you know, kind of like where he's at with his bow building and all of the shit. I mean, I think it was a big influence in him, and so he has had his own opinions about Dudley, and it's as odd as it seems. You know, when we say stuff, people are like, "Oh, well, they said it," so you know, that's why I said I could say. This is what you do for third axis, and you know, yeah, the guys at this table are like, this guy don't fucking know his ass from a hole in the ground, as far as that's concerned. But with those, the new bows that Dudley's come out with, like so those NTN bows, like yes. when you're talking about the axle to axle and like a lot of that type of stuff. I mean, so that that bow right there is the ideal, perfect all around target field 
hunting indoor. And you're not a PSE shooter, right? So it's not a... Nope. I mean, I went, not... I had to go shoot one though. I went down to long range archery and, and had to go shoot one. And, um, I was, I was impressed, very impressed. So, so right out of the box, um, with that bow, it, I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for UPS to show up and it, UPS showed up, took the bow inside. I'm the one that pulled it out of the box, um, had Dylan there. He's the bow mechanic there. He uh, he threw my rest on it, my sight on it, uh, put a peep in there, set it to my specs. Um, so setting up a bow, one thing that everyone should do once they find a bow that they like is draw back with the arrow in it and have someone measure center of the peep, center of your arrow, and that is your peep height. So from any bow, you can any do bow. that. Yep. Yep. So gave him that number three and three quarters he set my peep um we put it in the draw board and uh set it check the timing on it right out of the box it was perfect um didn't paper tune this bow grabbed dylan's arrows because i didn't trust my aluminum arrows with it in case it wasn't tuned so if the bow is not tuned you know it could be coming out of the bow a little sideways hitting the target and with little arrows, you you'll you can you bend, you bend them i've yeah. done it way too many times you know untuned bow and just ruin your arrow so i used his carbon arrows and they weren't going to bend so shot this bow i don't know five or six times and then hung a fresh piece of paper with it shot 30 arrows for a vegas round so possible 300 shooting the tens and shot a 297 with like 13 or something excess right out of the box first time ever shooting this bow and if i could have done it again i would have added more weight to it like right below my hand and added some more holding weight to it i probably i'm not saying i would have but it would have shot a lot better for me right i mean that, so, and that was like i was i didn't i was gonna mention well, that's why i said earlier. i was i was i was just waiting that like i said that's why i prefaced it was like i'll let you yeah. give your take and then i would just want to ask the question so right because that was like if you if i mean if there's people listening to our podcast they're definitely listening to i'd hope they're listening to dudley or watching his videos yeah but that was the reason why he picked that bow like is when as a starting point to build yeah. the perfect all around it's got a seven inch bow set right yeah yeah so it might, super might be a little bit more right like it's, just, it's right around seven yeah i mean it is like it's nice to shoot. Yeah, so it's 33 inches. It's like the best of both worlds, like exactly yeah. what you're saying. And that was like kind of like the whole point of this, that first bow. Mm-hmm. And basically, I think it's, I mean, he's been so busy. Oh my he's gosh. getting ready to, you know, come out with it and, and do all the, like the target and then the hunting. And he's going to like show the transition. Between yeah. The two. And what blows me away right now is, gosh, what archery shop is it down there in Texas? So, like, there's this huge thing this weekend down there in Texas with uh, Traeger, Knock-On, and Aaron Snyder from Kafaro. They're doing some kind of archery thing this weekend down there. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be – oh, Toro Archery Challenge is there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going yeah. to be good. It's going to be – I don't know all the details or anything that they have, but it's going to be one of those things that's probably going to Well, and Snyder's really going awesome. back to a – compound this year at least for tournaments or something like that so he's gonna start he's starting to shoot a compound a little again. more yeah well he, he's going back to it yeah. i don't remember what the catalyst was but like if you listen to the podcast that he did on a knock on they talked a little bit about it and then he's had a, like a couple different podcasts where he says he's going back to shoot 
a wheel bow. And I don't know if it's because he's just had so many questions or, or what the deal is, but he's, he's going back to shoot one. So it's probably intersecting there at that point. Yeah. I'm sure there's something in the works, <laughs> but yeah. So we've, we've talked a lot about the total archery challenge and, and let's talk about like, you know, so for anybody that didn't know or didn't hear earlier. So Travis is the one that won. Yeah. So the, I was the lucky one to win the truck last year from Torture challenge. So what it is, it's uh $15 um, to shoot an arrow at a target to try to win this truck that Orchard Toiletry Challenge puts together and builds with a prize package and stuff like that. And I was lucky enough to win it. Yeah, but that's that's uh, so underplaying it. Because so, I don't know if it was, was it last year when you were like, you built your bow oh. and you set a pin to do it? And, and that, like the day, it was fucking windy as shit. And uh, back to the whole target painting thing so i i developed target panic i realized i had target panic i shit the bed like the last day like sunday a total archery challenge it was awful and i don't know if it was saturday or what day it was but i was shooting the elk at 90 yards okay and i was shooting 12s at 90 yards and john's like you should just shoot the, the this was on the practice range yeah you're yeah. saying because yeah. i'm like yeah, yeah. i i'm like i don't have a pin for that i don't yeah. I, I didn't set up, and John had like uh, at his house has uh, he set up a target at 111 yards and shooting, 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 shooting. yeah, uphill. And I was like, yep. "Fuck, you know, I I don't have I don't have a pin, I don't have a setting, I don't have a tape for that." But at 90 yards, like I was shooting very well at this elk to the point where he's like, "Dude, go shoot!" You know? <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Just go, hold high, go yeah. go sh- go shoot for it," you know. And um, you know, so long story short, John didn't hit the. I didn't even shoot at it last year. Okay, so it, the year it, before is when I built the. I took my double XL, and I mean, put I put the had, time into it. I had and to build it. Shot a ton, and I don't remember what happened that year, but it was just like. I think every time we ended up like getting time, it was like after shooting all day and like yeah, walk, it kind of wore out. Two courses, It'd get windy in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like I was just flinging arrows. You know, I hit it, mm-hmm. but didn't even come close to the. And so. Well, everything that went into that, you know, in the, the 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 shooting, the preparation, yada yada yada, and he says, "Yeah, I was the guy that was lucky enough to win it." And, right. Oh, blah 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 blah. And no, he grabs his fucking buddy's bow. He forgot. He's like, "I forgot my bow." Like, no, oh, I, I didn't forget my bow. So <laughs> I, I had my double XL, and um, I it just the 111 yards just wasn't. I couldn't get it. I'm shooting. I don't know. I was shooting 600 grain arrow out of a 70 pound. I think it went to like seventy three pounds double XL, and it just wouldn't. It wouldn't. I couldn't have an aiming point with it. I could. I'd use my bubble or whatever to get the hundred eleven, and it just wasn't enough to pinpoint it and be precise enough to uh, to hit that point. So, so I used someone else's bow and just uh, had you shot that bow before? Like, had you practiced with that um, bow or like? What, I mean, what's the story? Because like it would be like me picking up John's bow and being like, yeah, just hold, you know, a little high or like well, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you guys kind of shoot each you, other's bows. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've been able to. He's just passed me his bow after he's shot something like an animal, and I've been able to use his bow and and shoot animal as well. We did it uh, this this past season. You did that on the, the Western Tour. And the season before it happened, you know, just so two years in a row, you know, that was that was the case. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it was nice to have, um, you know, just same draw length, same peep height. Right. You know, 
same holding weight. You know, just uh, everything was just, you know, basically it was, it was basically like shooting my bow. So, you know, just worked. And, and it, so take us through that, the shot, the the whole idea of the process, the like, like the whatever, and then you shoot it and then. Oh, yeah. so um, it just, the wind died down. He shot a couple arrows, wind died down. I was like, yeah, let, let me give it a go with your bow. Um, so I paid $30, $15 per shot. Uh, shot one, shot about six inches low. And so it just happened to be lucky enough to where it's, it's a caribou target. And uh, the sun was just right to where the antlers um, were forming a shadow right above that 12 ring. And someone said, just put your pin right on that shadow right there. You should hit it. Put the pin right on there. You know, went through the shot process. Shot broke. And you knew when it broke, though, didn't you? It felt. I don't know if I if I called it there on that one or not, but um, yeah, it was it was perfect. The arrow just pinwheeled that the little bonus ring on that caribou target and signed the ticket, threw it in the pot, and was lucky enough when they did the drawing that the old man that was running the shoot all year hit hit my ticket. <laughs> he pinwheeled my ticket actually, so that yeah. was cool. Well, that yeah. was like I mean. My shot, like the year before that, or was it two years before? Two years before that, I won. They had the Bronk box shoot. Yes. And so I ended up winning that on the last day. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. Like my brother and I, Adam shot on Saturday, then because you, you were up doing something yeah. else here in Traverse City. But so my brother and I were the last ones out of our group there. We shot around in the morning. And then he's like, I'm going to go win that box. I'm like, all right, well, and it was like, it was starting to rain and it was, the weather was coming in and we pulled up into that turnaround or the little cul-de-sac right there and just parked the truck right there. <laughs> yeah. And like, he was gone before I even got my bow out of the case and he was already up there shooting. So I threw my money down. I'm like, well, I'm, I might as well take a couple shots at it. Well, like the first couple, I mean, I like pulled one way left and then, then I put two right around like one was almost touching the corner and one was right on the other side mm -hmm. I'm like well, but you had to go inside out on it you had to go inside out on a one inch piece of orange tape yes and it was 50 yard, 58 or 60 yards like, mm -hmm. which was nice because it wasn't a block target that year they still had those iron targets they allowed them and I mean guys were doing that oh. and just busting the hell out of their arrows but this was just a yeah, block yeah 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 that was that was three was, years ago yeah the second year they had it yeah so I told the guy it was backcountry hunters and anglers that were putting it on. Yep. And I'm like, I gave him twenty bucks, and I'm like, if I get it before, because it was five bucks a shot. I'm like, hey, if I hit it before my twenty bucks, are you gonna give me some money back? He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever, dude. So, first shot, like, I'm pulling through, pulling through, and it just like a gust of wind, and it just broke and like went four inches left. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that was terrible. And so the next one, I'm just like just got to send it my brother is standing back there i'm like who cares about the wind and it was just holding just pulling through and it broke and i'm like i just knew it like it felt it felt good felt perfect and the dude's like dude you just smoked it <laughs> and we ran up there my brother still had like two or three shots left he never even he never, never shot even, those ones no we ran up there and i have a picture of it, it was like perfect inside out on bam it. nailed it but one That's of awesome. he was the yeah. only one. It, so they were supposed to throw names in a hat, and yeah, draw. But his is the only name. Only in there, one. So. Yeah, because there was other guys that hit like hit it. Yeah, that but, just yeah cut the edges, yep. but they weren't inside out. So I yeah, I was lucky enough to be the one to get it. But still have the box. Brought out the 
That's it's a awesome. Big damn heavy box, but it protects your <laughs> shit. Yeah. Killer. And, and so with the total archery challenge, we've talked about that a lot here. You've shot multiple total archery challenges. So um I guess what do you think about the one here in Michigan and then the ones across the country? We've got listeners like everywhere. Yeah. Like, so if they get an opportunity to go to one or they're close, like what's your take on it from the pure like archery side, both target archery side and like the hunter side. Cause one of our bitches about the whole thing is like a lot of those shots you would never take in real life, you know, like for, for the most part. <laughs> no. Yeah. You're not supposed to, <laughs> but it puts you in that scenario to where you can say my equipment can perform. I, I can make this shot. It gives you that peace of mind to where it's like, all right, there's grass in my way. Can my arrow make it through there? Right. Can it can it do that? And at least you can say, I tried and it and it worked, or yeah, I tried and it didn't work. I can't do I can't do that in the hunting scenario. But if it worked and you pinwheeled it, you know, sixty yard target through the grass, you pinwheeled it. You're like, dude, I can do this. I can do this in a hunting scenario. So it gives you that huge confidence to where it's like, yeah, it can be done. Or it, in Michigan, it was the locals course last year. Um, we were doing this thing called the weasel to where someone was, you know, just us three would be there and you'd go first and you'd try to make the nastiest weasel out of the trees as you could in, into a safe perspective to where it's like, yeah, an arrow's not going to go flying out to the field, you know, somewhere. It's, it's still going to go close to that target. Right. And you shoot your weasel and it'd make it. And I'd step up in the same spot where you're standing, same leaf and try to shoot that same one just to see, you know, if you could do it, if your mind could actually make that shot. Right. And and stuff like that, it, it's, it's good to practice in a safe manner to where you know that your equipment could do that. Are you going to take that shot when you're hunting? Maybe not, but at least you have the confidence of saying, yeah, I could take that shot. <laughs> I won't bring it up. <laughs> you don't have to bring it up, but... That's what's awesome about Toy Ranch Challenge. It, you you have to make that decision of saying, can can my arrow clear those limbs? You know, All right? You know, it, it, is my bow fast enough or slow enough to where I have? To, is my arrow going to go over or top of that limb? We don't have to bring it up again, <laughs> but all I'll say to you, Travis, is that there's a, a theme on this podcast, and it's I continually let John down <laughs> by not making shots. Or not taking shots that I'm fully capable of doing. <laughs> in a hunting scenario, you're saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or in a toilet challenge scenario. No, on, on animals. On in animals. Life. On a animal. I'm the, the elk thing, I'm 100%. Turkeys. Yeah, the turkeys. <laughs> but the deer yeah. in Idaho was just a, it was a toilet archery, just a toilet archery setup. Like, we shot that. We yeah. shot that every every year. Like, dude, you could have smoked that. All you had to do is walk down just one one little ledge. So we'll, and it would have been we'll, there. We'll, we'll rehash that here when we're done recording. But uh, so, uh, comparison for the, which total archery challenges have you been at, and like, what if you could only go to one, which one would you go to? Uh, probably Michigan, just because it's the closest to me. That's what I, I recommend with anyone is going to the one that they can afford with the closest one to them. Um, you know, even if it's six hours away, you know, whatever one's the closest one. Money being them. out. Oh, not um, an object. 
it's got to be Utah or Montana. I haven't been to Montana, but I mean, there's Colorado this year too. Just any of those, extre- where they're going to have that extreme scenarios, if your fitness level can handle it. And um, describe to me the 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 that extreme scenario because there's guys like my father-in-law Frank who thinks that the total archery challenge is a motherfucker. Like, like the, his fitness level doesn't really suit the the terrain even like going up and down and in like, Michigan and like we're the, talking about yeah, and right. like the and like the first time that we went i mean like i not that i wasn't ready for it but i didn't understand like what exactly was happening because yeah like if you remember so it was probably the second year that they did it it was like 95 degrees mm-hmm. and full sun no wind no knock times yep. and so there was every course was backed up and then the water ran out yeah, and we yeah. started at nine and got back to the condo at five thirty. Yeah, and like I didn't have a granola bar, a bottle of water, mm-hmm. or anything, and it was like I'm completely sunburned, and this is awful. Yeah, um, but it was probably. I mean, it brought us back for the entire weekend the next year, so it was definitely worth it. Yeah, but, <laughs> you, yeah, you didn't ever forget it. But but talk about the extreme or what exactly you're talking about, like in Utah. So it's like um, basically that early. Uh, velvet mule deer hunt or that early elk hunt to where you're going to have those i mean even even though it's july it it still was cold i think we saw snow we i think we did see a little bit of snow sounds right yeah i think there was a little bit of flurries maybe one morning way up top uh i don't know but um so you have to be prepared so you need a backpack with water with food with like a sun shirt like you're talking about being sundered so that's a, a hooded a hooded sun shirt or at least a neck gator to where you can pull it up and protect your face and your ears and stuff like that because you guys got stranded i mean not stranded but backed up out there and so with utah um you're not backed up out there you're just out there for four hours it, it, some people later in the day it took longer you know like six hours depends on their fitness level but and you're just shooting one course, you know, and it took that long to get through it because it's, you ride to the top and you literally walked all the way back down. And so you experience the cold temperatures at the top in the morning and then you get all the way down to the bottom and you're at 80 degrees. <laughs> you're sweating balls. Sweating, full sun. Well, yeah, and I mean, think about like the big, so we think... In Michigan, Boyne Mountain, oh, it's a mountain. It ain't no fucking mountain. Yeah. Like, it's a foothill. Like, when you go out west, Colorado, Utah, like, wherever, where you're talking about these big ski resorts, that's an hour of skiing straight down. <laughs> right. You know, imagine shooting your way down that versus five to ten minutes at Boyne. You know? Yeah. So, I don't I don't know exactly the amount of time it took to ride the... Um, the cable car to the top but i mean it was up up a hill and then over a huge valley and and that's where that one stopped when you got to the other side of that huge valley that's where that one stopped but you could get on another lift that wasn't running but it would take you out of the top so at utah last year that other lift wasn't running so there they had to rent side by sides and they'd run people up to the top to the I forget. It must have been Knock-On and Sitka and Prime, I think, were at the very top, I believe. Not 100% sure on that. But 
yeah so it it was a long ways to the top like and then a long ways down and that was only 20 targets well i mean uh, this has been great like just sitting here chatting with you and you know i mean it's kind of like part of my like daily routine is like listening to him nerd out about bows but it's nice to have him like have like a sounding board like where you guys be like oh yeah this and that and like, yeah. w- like whatever but but you know like so one of the questions that we always ask and it's it's always in in john's realm is, right so what is your bow set up right now what are you shooting right now um i really don't have a bow setup that i call my own bow setup so i have my old bow setup that I'm shooting right now is a, it's a Barnsdale uh, split cable um, target bow. That's what I'm shooting right now. Yep. And I'm waiting on a uh, gearhead to show up. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a it's a 34 inch uh, Cam Pacific draw length gearhead. I'm hoping that shows up for international. So at internationals and at Vegas, they gearhead pays money. And so I shoot the bow hunter class, so I'm going for that bow hunter money. So, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even believe this. This is just like fell into my lap. This is like the greatest. <laughs> is thing that I'm bringing up gear? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the thing, and like I want to talk to them about this like a whole lot off the podcast, but so we at the Grand Rapids show. show. So yep, Gearhead was there. Well, John actually wanted to shoot the Gearheads this year at ATA, and we just didn't get it's, over It's there. tough to make it all the way around ATA. Get Even over though there, you're there all weekend, it is tough. And we, but we drink too much, and like it's like a bad oh, yeah. bad time. Frank like, was there. <laughs> and hanging, so, out, hanging out with the punk no, it's, it's, it's the tethered it's guys. It's the tethered guys. It's Taylor Chamberlain. And and Taylor Chamber- Chamberlain and Billy are the death of this podcast right here i mean like john's supposed to be the one that holds this whole thing together he's the 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 pillar he's the he's the guy that knows the shit like i can talk i can drink i can do all that i can yeah. network but he's the guy that knows all the things and i think i think this podcast has been really good because john doesn't talk on the podcast i mean if you've listened to it so it's really great to hear him, <laughs> hear him talk, talk about both yeah. and then have him be validated and you guys are like nerding out about things right so John wanted to go shoot gearheads, and he didn't get the opportunity to. So, I went to the trad show, came back through, stopped at the show in Grand Rapids, yep. and I was like, "Oh, gearhead is here!" And amongst the ten thousand outfitters that were there, there's only so many people that I wanted to like make an appearance or kind of yep. chit chat with. So, I talked to Skip for a long time, and he's like, "If you ever want me on the podcast or like whatever, like sure." And that's what I thought was awesome when you were talking about, I was like trying to like wrap my head around when you were talking about string angles, axle to axle. And then you said there's some that are in the twenties. So I was like, well, Matthews is in the twenties, but I'm like, gearhead is like 34 to 35, 36. Oh, see, I didn't shoot any of those ones. Yeah. So, well, they've got the 18, Mm -hmm. they got a 20, they got the 24. And then by the time you get into the thirties, you're kind of like creeping into a normal size bow, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and, and and the the benefits there are are curious to me as probably the listener as like a novice archer or like into the technology of it, you know. Yeah. And so, when you're saying that, it, it's just it's just amazing to me. Well, one of I mean, Gearhead, the guy was it last year, or year before at the Indoor Nationals. That- yes. So the last two years. Has like, it been two years? Like run yeah, no, he, he he won back to back the last two years okay, with the yeah. gearhead bow. Yeah. So he was paid contingency 
in the bowhunter class, which so, isn't heard of. So, Only Gearhead does it. So I'm going to leave that hanging out there right now. Well, because I give I give Adam shit. I'm like, what do you want the gearhead for? And I'm thinking this little. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> now I'm just I just want to leave this hanging out right there, there. <laughs> so that you guys will tune in and kind of see what's going on here okay. in the future with uh, different podcasts and things that we're that we're talking about. But I'm so happy that you brought that up, and I'm so happy that we can tease that for a future episode because John can fuck off with all of his <laughs> different things about bows and, and whatnot. But it, I'm only going to say one thing about the gearhead. It, it's obviously a good shooting bow, but I, it's just like hunting with my target bow and a split riser. Yeah. I just have a, the issue with putting a broadhead through the riser. That's practicing, but, though. Yeah, it becomes part of that shot routine to where it just becomes second nature. No different than going from your butt to your knees right. to a shot. But so. so this has been so much fun, and I'm I, this couldn't went any better. Like I, I <laughs> one quick quick are, are you guys, are you planning on going out west to any of the total archery challenges this year? Um, no. So um. I have my own business and stuff like that, and I'm trying to grow that more, and I need to work more okay. to do that. So, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'll be at Michigan for sure. Oh, cool. Um, so, you should be at the cookout with us on Friday. With Frank. I'm going to yeah. bring Frank some selects <laughs> and listen to him for sure. Um, yeah, stay with the selects. Don't bring them any IPAs. Yeah, no no IPAs. IPAs. None of the, none of that wild <laughs> stuff. Just just some Budweiser selects. And so, if people have questions or anything like that, like where can they follow along with like what you're so, doing, and uh, like how can they get a hold of you or, or whatever? I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Not Twitter. Sorry, it's called uh, TikTok. 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 <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> so uh, on Instagram, it's Trav T R A V underscore W underscore John. And then on TikTok, it's, I think it's Travis Johnson 60. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But just look at these guys on Instagram. Um, and then you should be able to follow me from there. Well, awesome. Like I said, I really appreciate it because it's something, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, like for me, this is just like, I, I am, um, and I continue to be like the, person that i target this podcast at because i have like a limited knowledge or just enough to be mm -hmm. uh dangerous as far as like archery and so now i end up being like some sort of fucking voice about like this is what you do so that's why we talk to people who know yeah um kind of what they're doing and kind of um drive home kind of the points that we dance around or whatever and like i say john to me is a genius as far as like the way that he does his own stuff and so to listen to you guys kind of talk about all of this is like is really great and it's i would good, just like yeah. to also thank john for talking on this podcast yeah, really good job john good job talking but yeah. i think that's all we got for tonight and I, I i really appreciate you know you taking the time to hang out with us oh no it's cool for sure yeah i appreciate it yeah you guys are great sounds fun yeah that's all we got for today peace out everyone we'll yeah. see you
Shut up and sit down.